Welcome to the podcast, the destination for insightful discussions and interviews on the appreciation, conservation, and husbandry of reptiles with a focus on turtles and tortoises. Now, let's join our team of turtle nerds. Here it is. Welcome. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I'm not going to tell you what number this episode is. Darn it, I did it already. Do it! Do it! It's my chance to sound cool. I can't. I can't. Okay, episode 69. Is it hot in here? Okay. So uncomfortable by that. So uncomfortable by that. We debated just taking the number down. We're like, we can't do it. It's been there. It's just a number, people. Grow up. No, I want that Grow. 69. I'm good with it. Yeah. I'm, I'm uncomfortable. I don't know what, to, what else to say. <laughs> I don't know what to do with my hands. Okay. Um, so welcome. We, we're very excited about our show tonight. Um, before we get started, just want to uh, give a reminder today, uh, or really an announcement, because the fir- this is the first time we have a new t-shirt out on Bonfire, uh, a North American wood turtle t-shirt. Um, it says Pennsylvania wood turtle because they live there too. And that's where we do our work. And this this uh, design, which was done by our very own Miranda, um, is available for you to purchase and all of the proceeds, all of the proceeds, every cent that comes through that goes directly to our um, in-situ work with uh, turtles in the wild. So uh, right now that's diamondback terrapins, uh, hingeback tortoises in Africa and wood turtles in Pennsylvania. So very excited about that. Head on over to Bonfire and pick one up. Uh, yeah, yeah, or two or three, or you know, buy some for the neighbors or whoever. Mm-hmm. Or a hoodie, because you know? I just or got a hoodie. hoodie. All right, Chris just got a hoodie. There you go. Very exciting stuff. So we are here uh, with this very exciting episode of of the podcast with our guest Emma Locke from Emzotic Fame. We're very happy to have her here. Um, if you don't know. Emzotic, then what's wrong with you? Um, just kidding. Just kidding. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, um, she has a great YouTube channel, a great following on social media, and really terrific content, and um, has a lot to to offer. And we're really excited to have her here with us. So thank you so much, Em. Oh, no. Thank you all for having me. I'm, I'm really excited to be here. So hi, everyone listening to the podcast. How you all doing? I'm doing good. Yeah, we're all great. Good. Good. I have to say, I'm feeling remarkably uh, just just clean shaven here. I feel like I'm the only one without a beard. We're going to have to rectify that really quickly. Let's just, here we go. We're going to just give ourselves some facial hair right here. Here we go. So good. I I don't often have beard envy, but I just trimmed mine. And my gosh. That's fantastic, isn't it? Incredible. (laughs) Thanks. That's too good, though. It's like ZZ Top too good. It's not really fair, you know? Mm-hmm. You think about it. Like, this takes a while. That took seconds. Oh, I could even get myself a mustache going on. Oh, wow. All right. <laughs> I think somebody should end the night with just a mustache. I'll let myself out. I can take a five-minute break towards the end of the show and come back with just a mustache you probably for, for you guys. Why you should just... fundraise it. I think you have the best chance at a mustache there right now. Yeah. You're looking I, really I crusty. Look at that. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> I come from a long line of mustaches. I'll let, I'll have you know. I, long, I, what does that mean? A long line of mustaches. I think that sounds I disgusting. Pictures later. I think we should let the viewers tell us if they think you should shave to a mustache by the end of the show. Listen, anybody, any viewer out there that donates twenty dollars right now, you get to choose. One of the three of us will shave our beards into a mustache tonight. For only twenty? Come on now, we can do better than 20? that. Twenty? No. Seventy-five. <laughs> I want seventy-five dollars. Seventy-five. Oh, seventy-five dollars. Seventy-five dollars. Twenty dollars. Yeah. Listen. What is that? Uh, hundred dollars. Eleven cents. Fu Manchu. Eleven cents in an envelope. Oh. And yeah. and I'll streak naked down the road. Eleven cents in an envelope. Oh man! No, what is twenty dollars? Uh, listen, we do have somebody from the audience that says uh, they'll do it only if Chris keeps it for a month. That's no, that person's too cheap. No, <laughs> person's too cheap. Next, next. What else you got, guys? Come on. Uh, somebody said they're about to do it for twenty. Sorry, guys, the stakes have been raised. I uh, I'm not so a capitalist, I guess. Spring fundraiser, guys. Save it for spring fundraiser. Yeah. Save it for the spring <laughs> yes, fundraiser. We have, we have fundraisers coming up. We can do all kinds of things. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to announce it officially. Um, the podcast guys have officially said and told me off camera that they are going to each be growing a magnificent beard for Christmas and doing <laughs> glitter beards in order mm. to raise money for Turtle. I will do a glitter beard. Yeah, we're going to do glitter beards. So I guess I'm in. For that. Oh my gosh, I hate glitter so much. <laughs> it's the worst because you have kids and it gets everywhere, right? I, and between Chris and Kevin and I, we have we each have two daughters, so that's a lot of glitter, man. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's a lot of yeah, that's a lot of glitter. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. That's really rough. But you know what's more important than glitter? And lock. Yeah. No, <laughs> stop it. Please. That's what I said. More important than glitter. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, Emma, if you wouldn't mind, tell us about how you got your start with, um, I would think that probably like where you are now, who you are, how, how you're known. YouTube was really a big part of that. So I figured we should start there if that's okay with you. Um, sure, instead of starting with the, you know, tell us about your childhood sort of thing. Why don't you tell us about YouTube and kind of how that started? All right. So um, when I first started YouTube, I was really looking for a place to connect with people where I could share my passion for wildlife and what I'd learned over the last you know, decade as an animal educator. It's what I was doing when I first started uh, YouTube. Um, so I started my channel and I made a couple of videos um, just with some of my more peculiar um, colleagues, I suppose you could call them. So we had Shrek, my giant African snail, and we had my cockroaches uh, named Rice and Beans. And after uploading my first couple of videos, it got picked up by uh, something known as Creator on the Rise on YouTube. And all of a sudden, literally, I went from 1,000 subscribers on one day to over 100,000 subscribers in a 24-hour period. And that just wow. was incredible. And it just launched my career in a way that I, I never could have imagined. And now I have just a wonderful community who I call my creature crew. Um, we're almost 700,000 strong at this point, just passionate animal lovers who want to make a difference in the world, who want to learn about animals and to also have their own careers with animals. So um, that's, that's basically what I'm doing now. I like to talk about different kinds of animals, um, share animal information and help 
pet owners to make more, um, I suppose, informed decisions uh, on their pet care. That's wonderful. That's awesome. Thank you. Wow. Now, you said you were, it was mostly cockroaches and snails that got you from 1,000 to 100,000? Yes, correct. That's incredible. See, I didn't know that before. That's incredible. Really cool. I know. You know, you, you'd think that maybe being seen with, you know, large crocodilians or tigers might do that for some people. But I, I think it was just peculiar at the time for uh, people to see uh, a young woman potentially with these different uh, creepy crawlies, if you like. And it sort of hit an odd nerve, a bit like a car crash. You know, you can't look away. I think that's kind of what my first few videos were. They were so uncomfortable for so many people that they were hooked, which is great. <laughs> I that's think that's tremendous. really great because, you know, who, were we just talking to Viviana about how, like, you know, so many of the animal shows and stuff pay attention to these, you know, animals that can kill you or megafauna, like the really impressive stuff. And so this is, again, another example of, you know, uh, the underdogs, you know, in, in the animal world or the insect world or the invertebrate world that are, you know, gaining a lot of attention, you know, uh, which I think is which I think is great, you know, whenever it's which is kind of how turtles are for us. Yeah, the small and mighty. We love them. Yeah, they're tougher mm -hmm. than they look. And uh, they, they all deserve appreciation for sure. Yeah. Well, that's what's so great about YouTube, right? If you if you jump on to uh, – if I go on my Hulu and try to look through the long list of nature documentaries or Disney Plus or whatever that has nature documentaries and you find one, you can rest assured that some of these smaller animals are forgotten when it comes to – you know, what's covered and, and featured. It's always megafauna and the same species that are bringing uh, visitors through the turnstiles at the zoos, mm -hmm. you know, are what you're seeing on those nature documentaries. Right. Yeah, absolutely. It's really nice to be able to um, have the control, if you will, with creating one's own content and being able to give a platform um, and a voice as well to some uh, to some respect to these animals that not necessarily many people actually know about. Um, and it's it's amazing how many people, um, young and older, who really resonate with content that is uh, different out there, that they're, they're tired of seeing the same animals time and time again, and it's nice to be able to give them something new. That's fantastic. Isn't it, though? Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Did, right? Great. Was this a good idea to have Emma oh, come yeah. on? Wasn't it? It was a good idea. You sometimes have good ideas. So I'll give it to I you. know. Every <laughs> once in a while. <laughs> Thank you for giving me credit for having the idea. I reached out to her and everything. Isn't this great? Right. Mm -hmm. Oh, cool. thank you. I was just excited that there's a turtle podcast out there because I'd right. never known that there was such a niche podcast. And like, I love turtles. I've worked with a whole different plethora of species. And I grew up in a, a place where turtles are revered. So it was really nice to be able to be invited. And I really appreciate it. That's great. Awesome. Glad can, to have you here. Can you tell us a little more about that now? Now we'll go backwards and, and, and work back to a place where turtles are revered. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So like, let's just like wind it back a little bit. Um, for those of you who don't know, I actually was, uh, the accent didn't give it away. I was born and raised for some time in London. Um, but then during my early childhood, I actually moved to Hong Kong, which is just a fantastic island. And it's got just a whole wonderful, diverse um, 
diversity of reptiles that live there as well. Um, and no shortage of turtles. And naturally, uh, given that it is uh, Asia, there are lots of different kinds of uh, mythology and stories centered around animals with long lives. Longevity is, is a huge deal out in China. Um, so things like cranes, for example, and turtles, tortoises. Um, and it's not uncommon for people to have um, tortoises and turtles in their house. Um, not always kept in the best uh, the best ways, I should say. There's a lot of there's a lot of husbandry that needs to be improved from what I've seen. Really nice because people revere them. They think they bring good fortune to a house, that they make you happier and luckier and uh, that they give you a longer life, uh, like by just like having them there. So people like to surround themselves with these turtles and tortoises. And it's not uncommon if you go to, uh, say, for example, Hong Kong Park, um, which is just a beautiful park in the center of Hong Kong. And these they're, they're turtles when they're a little bit too uh, too large and they can't keep them anymore. You know, they buy them for the equivalent of like 10 cents at this sort of penny size. And then they grow, um, they let them go. And a lot of people have actually painted or carved prayers into um, the shells of these tortoises, which is really interesting to see. And uh, it's, it's very common actually to see, it's fascinating. Wow. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't know that. Like I knew, I knew certain things that, you know, would go down in, in Hong Kong concerning turtles and tortoises, but I had no idea. Did you guys know about that, about prayers being carved into them? I didn't know. No, no. Wow. Jeez. And when you, um, when you were growing up, like, like when you were real young, were, were you, was your family welcoming of animals or did you, have to like many of us prove that to your parents or your guardians that you know um hey this this is serious this, this i'm not just gonna you know keep this animal and you know let you take care of it one day because i think a lot of parents their fear is that you know regardless whether it's a hedgehog or a turtle or, or whatever you're allowed to keep in the place that you live in uh it's going to eventually it's going to become a novelty and, and the care is going to fall on them right uh well when I was very young, say six or seven, my parents were, they could recognize I was extremely passionate about animals. And they were very, very accommodating of giving me an early education, buying me as many books as I wanted um, about animals, encouraging me to watch as many wildlife documentaries as I wanted. But my mother, bless her, she's amazing. Um, she is terrified of most creatures. Um, I mean, if a turtle crossed her path, she'd probably scream and end up hanging from a chandelier. Um, but uh, uh, as, as, as I grew up, I just decided that although I wasn't allowed to have the animals at home, I was going to make my own rules. Uh, so I saved my own money and I went out and I brought home my own animals and kept them in secret. And uh, young exotic was a bit of a rule breaker and brought home rats turtles, budgies, all different kinds of animals, um, and eventually managed to persuade by twisting her dad's arm to let her keep them. In turn, my dad's have twisted my mum's arm. So it was a, an interesting household with about 12 pets, different birds and different kinds of exotics as well. Um, and at one point, my mum actually sewed up my pockets uh, because I used to wear a lot of jeans and dungarees. <laughs> and um, I used to bring home 
things and she, she didn't really appreciate finding them just all over the house because sometimes I forget that I brought home a, a pet so they'd just be like hanging out in the laundry room and my mum who's terrified of animals did not appreciate that so that that, that was fun but uh yeah I, I definitely did bring home more animals than I probably should in, in my youth. I definitely snuck animals when I was little. What about you guys? Did you? I, I still do now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't as a kid, but definitely now. Yeah. <laughs> like, nothing like, to see I, here. It's been huh? here for six months already. You don't remember that? Which, 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 which animals did you um, bring home? What's the coolest animal you've snuck home? As a kid or now? <laughs> <laughs> Just the coolest animal in general. Oh. A bat, Alligators. Maybe. Alligators? Uh, yeah, alligators. When I was a kid, yeah. I can't. I can't touch either. No chance. You, you, Kevin, I mean, you, you snuck a bat home. So my brother and I found an injured bat, like a baby bat, and we brought it home. And like we made like a little cage out of like little wire fencing, like this big, you know. And uh, we kept it there probably like a month, and then we let it go. But it was, was in our room. My parents didn't know about it. <laughs> this is how you get rabies. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I was probably eight, you know. (laughs) One episode, this guy's losing his three-toed box turtles, and then in the next episode, (laughs) the groundhogs don't like getting rabies. My plants, they dig my holes, you know, because they they could smell they could smell rabies. That's why they don't like you. I snuck (laughs) home (laughs) two. I snuck home two baby alligators when I was a kid. Wow. From where? From like Hamburg? Yeah, yeah. I was I. I think I got a ride. I couldn't even drive yet. And I got a ride with, this was before, like, I, I, I was like, hey, New Jersey Fish and Wildlife, I want to do things the right way, you know? And <laughs> I, I, I think I went with some buddies that, that uh, some, I don't know, some guy, kids that were into reptiles, you know, when we were younger. And I couldn't drive yet, but either one of them could or one of their fathers could or something. It's a blur now because it didn't end too well for me. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I brought home two uh, hatchling alligators from Hamburg and, uh, you know. Do you know, um, Hamburg is one of the very first reptile shows I ever went to when I moved to the United States. And that is one hell of an interesting circus, let me Isn't tell it? you. You're talking oh, about people, goodness. right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the people are interesting too, that's yeah. for sure. But, you know, I, I came from England where we have like one show and it's corn snakes and ball pythons. And then I came to Hamburg and there there are people selling doves and then next to them alligators and next to them venomous and like there's like some venomous snake on the floor and people are rushing around trying to get it back into a bucket. Mm-hmm. Very interesting show. I'm, I'm very fond of him. What, what, what about what year was that? Would you say? Oh gosh, it was a couple of years ago now. And then I went back, I guess about two years ago. Um, and it had sort of chilled out a little bit more. Um, very different to White Plains. I also uh, frequented White Plains, New York as well, which was very, very interesting too. Um, but Hamburg, ooh, that, that place is always going to have a special place in my heart. <laughs> Pretty much it's awesome it to hear that. Corn yeah. snakes and ball pythons now, wouldn't you say? What, Hamburg? Yeah. Oh, no, it's not. No, See, so. now you, no, because you came up in the glory days of Hamburg. And I mean, there are there are books that that actually details some of the ridiculousness of the Hamburg show. Oh, no, I'm talking about now. I, back then, it was awesome. No, I understand that. Now, compared to the old days, it's not the same. But when compared to your normal Northeast reptile show, yeah. it's still 
the yeah. you know the wild frontier. It's ridiculous. Yeah, white can, plains you know, are definitely pretty bland comparatively. There's venomous. There's hatchling turtles. There's all sorts of stuff. And I'm I want to comment down a little bit because I I'll be sad one day when when Hamburg stops being Hamburg and turns into a white plains. But it's not there yet. That's for sure. Now you don't go to the white plains show. White plains is geckos and bearded dragons and and. Uh, in in terms of turtles, it's just stuff that's wild caught imports, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate because that the four inch law makes it so that that's what you see as the imports. You see, so. they sneak in like Odoratus there also. Like every show yeah, I go to there, yeah. they have it. Yeah, well, it's well, like they they do that in bend the rules. I, They do that in Hamburg too. I actually remember one vendor was selling Japanese wood turtles. Uh, I'm sorry, they were selling North American wood turtles as Japanese wood turtles to try to, you know. You know, so you kind of see that stuff. I, I don't know that that's exclusive to like White Plains, but you know, you definitely see that in many different areas. Sure, sure. That's and cool you, that uh, you, you had mentioned before we started that you used to live over in this area, so you're familiar with some of the geography, right? Oh, absolutely. I, I'm a big fan of Jersey. And if you've got any Jersey listeners, then you'll be familiar with the different place. I used to live for a while. I was in Morris County. Um, which was you know, very, very pretty, very beautiful, very close to the city. And then I moved to a really interesting location, which was Sussex County, New Jersey, up in the Skylands. That's like a whole country of its own. So interesting. Um, but uh, I, I definitely did love it up there. Really did. Very cool. That was your only question? You just, you just well, wanted to I figured it- maybe you would be bright enough to come up with the next one. Oh, I was just waiting because I was I was waiting for you guys to squirm and see if I was going to talk about the Pine Barrens or not. So oh, I was, I was, like, I was, but I thought maybe you didn't want to or something. That was the follow up I thought was coming. The devil lives there, you know. But I just wanted to see you squirm. I'm squirming now, so. <laughs> so God, hit me with the Pine Barrens. Pine Barrens. <laughs> All right. So if anyone listening has never been to the Pine Barrens in New Jersey, it's in southern. New Jersey, it is gorgeous. Like there are these dwarf forests and the sand is like powdered sugar. It is so beautiful. And a lot of people go down to the Pine Barrens to look for the Jersey Devil, not knowing that I am the Jersey Devil. See, Um, you were born on my road then. That's not the accent that I expected for the Jersey Devil. (laughs) I kind of do because I figured he would be very sophisticated sounding, you know? Really? Yeah. She. Huh? She. Have yeah. some respect. She, yeah. the Jersey Devil, could be a girl. Who knows? Of course, she is. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's a very interesting place where people go to to try and uh, like search for the Jersey Devil. Also, it's a great spot for harping on the East Coast. I mean, you think of the East Coast, you normally think of uh, Florida for herping naturally. Um, but Jersey has some really beautiful herps there as well. I mean, they have painted turtles, spotted turtles, or terrapins rather. Actually, let me just say, mm. as much as I love America and Americans, I love you guys. I love you're this, com- I know where you're going. You're uh. completely, completely and utterly wrong when it comes to classifying what is a turtle, what is a tortoise, and what is a terrapin. So, in my head, if, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but a tortoise to me lives on land, a turtle lives in the water, and a terrapin is kind of, you know, like a, like a river uh, creature that can go in or out of the water and has like little claws. But everybody here calls turtles just turtles in general, and it blows my mind because I'm constantly 
thinking, oh, you saw a turtle, but we're like, we're not near the water. How did you manage to see a turtle in the middle of the desert? So am I wrong or am I right? Well, Steve Enders would probably be the one that could school us all on the exact terminology and etiquette behind it. However, in America, generally, yeah, generally, yes, sea turtles, box turtles, Amidids, which are going to be your freshwater turtles, okay? And then we have the tortoises. And believe me, we're constantly correcting people on what is a turtle, what is a tortoise. I can't tell you how many people contact me and my wife and say, I found a box tortoise. And I'm like, no, you didn't, but you got to be nice. But here with terrapins, we're normally associating that with the diamondback terrapin, which is the only endemic species to the salt marsh. And that's the diamondback terrapin. You don't, you really, you don't really hear people call them diamondback turtles, right, guys? Correct. Correct. Unless you're Kevin. Kevin knows they're nothing. Co- about they're that, common right? names, though. This is why we're all fans of of scientific names because they're common names. Mm-hmm. In it, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but in in Europe and like um, then you would call like a painted turtle a painted tortoise, right? We've all heard that before. Yeah. Painted terrapin. Painted uh, terrapin. Terrapin. Yeah. I think. Okay. I'm not going to argue with them on this one, but. Oh, please do. I enjoy a good argument. I've never heard painted tortoise, but I know. No, I've seen books. This, I've, seen, I've seen books that say painted tortoise. Oh, you're right. There are books yeah. that say some stuff like that. Yeah, I think I have one, actually. Prove it. I can't. I, I, I can. When you go to shave, just <laughs> for, the, for the record. You better come back with a mustache. Uh, when Yes, we <laughs> don't forget that if you make a, a $75 donation to the Turtle Room tonight, the host of your choice will come back with just a mustache. That's a real thing. And the earlier you do it, if you do it right away, the whole show. You know, I could leave for five minutes and come back with just the mustache for the rest of the show. Yeah. So two hundred, I'll grow mine. <laughs> okay, Chris. All right, that was Ready epic. That was epic. Don't. What are you doing? You're not going to say gotta, anything. You're just going to let that happen. We got $75 for Chris to rocket for a month. Yes. No, that's not happening. That's we got to go higher. We got to go higher. Yeah, yeah for the but that's, that, that's just a bid. Steve it's not, wants the higher. money's not actually there yet. So. Yeah, that's a bid. That's true. That's, yeah, the that's money's nothing. not on there yet. Yeah. Let's see. Give us the 75 and then we'll tell you, okay, pal? Who is that? Uh, that's uh, Matthew Hills. Oh, Matthew Hills. Hi, Matthew. I'm sorry. Hi, Matthew. Hi, Maddie. <laughs> Okay, I'm wrong. It's not I love this book. You. Sorry. <laughs> Great. Thanks so much. We got an epic rock riff when you came back mm-hmm. with the book, and then you didn't deliver. Just plugging your new album, Chris. What? What just happened? Are you kidding me? What? Could you hear us making fun of you? You came back. No, and I had my loud head- music. Loud oh, music oh, started my playing. iTunes started playing. Sorry yeah. about that. iTunes. <laughs> I didn't think you guys heard that because it was coming through my phone. Oh, we heard it. You mean like it could have been like an epic setup and I screwed it up? Mm, I don't think it sounded epic, but oh, okay. it, it seemed like maybe you were going for epic. No, no, not at all. I'm not that creative. Sorry. I look like I'm going for epic right now. My, you know, you like sitting like in the darkness. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's not that book, but I, I have seen that. I have seen painted tortoise and stuff before. I don't want to get too far down this road. I want to no, talk. To, we have Mzotic here. I want to talk to her about YouTube. Okay. Let's do it. Let's talk about YouTube. Stop, and we got to stop this guy from derailing everything. Okay, we got his own out. Chris, the That's derailer. Right. I'm very Talk at home here because my mind is a chaotic place, so I'm very. That's at why home we'll here. get along. Then. Sounds perfect. <laughs> um, so, I've heard you talk before about 
YouTubers supporting one another, content creators being supportive of one another. And I don't think that that's something that um, everyone maybe would think early on if they're, if they're not, or if they're not really well versed in YouTube. Can you speak a little bit about that? Absolutely. So um, I think a lot of people, myself included, when I first started, had a very common misconception that there's not enough space for everyone to uh, enjoy being a YouTuber together. Like there can only be a handful of really great animal or pet YouTubers. And like I said, I've, I've made that mistake myself. I was horrible to a couple of YouTubers when I first started. And now it's great because we're all friends. We, we've all figured out that the more you support one another, the more you all grow, the more that everyone, including the audiences, wants you to thrive and they're all gaining information and it makes the whole space so much healthier, so much more positive. And here's a great tip for anybody who's getting into the YouTube game. The more that you collaborate with one another, the more you support one another, the more you actually end up earning, really, if it's your income. So like support one another and, and don't try and monopolize the entire space. There's, you know, it's, it's horses for courses at the end of the day. And some people are really there to do um, like setup videos. Some people want to do adventure style videos. There is enough space for everyone. And it's overall a very positive space these days. So if you're thinking of getting started with an animal themed YouTube channel or just a YouTube channel in general, do it, bring your flavor. Like, bring that to the, the table we want that it's a great thing for the scene like no one's you're going to get some people who are mean but in general the creators of one another are just fantastic these days they're really so supportive and it's so lovely that's wonderful and and um i had heard you say something before about um everyone getting more views when there's more people so mm -hmm. you know the first the initial um kind of immature stance when somebody pops up doing kind of similar things and kind of trying to <clears throat> copy your style or cover the same topics or species or what have you is to say, well, they're not me or blah, blah, blah. But actually having them creating helps you as well. And that's something I didn't realize because I've never YouTubed to that level. Can mm -hmm. you speak to that? Yeah, sure. Um, uh, to me, I think just be nice to everybody because YouTube is such a um, an interesting beast where one day, like myself, you can have 1,000 subscribers and then suddenly the next day literally be at 100,000 subscribers. You know, it just takes that viral breakout video. So be nice to everyone because you never know. If someone's just starting out and you're being rude to them, they might overtake you. It happens a lot. And every single person who comes and has the guts to make a YouTube channel, because it takes real gumption and courage and commitment too. No yeah. matter who they are, whatever content they're bringing to the table, they have a legitimate reason to be there. And there is a, 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 a whole audience that want to participate and be part of, of your growth and each channel's growth. There's no channel, no matter how much they try and emulate one another initially, um, which we all do when we get started, you know, we're trying to find our feet and we think who inspires us. I'm going to be a little bit of this person, a little bit of that person. It's natural, but eventually people come into their own and they create their own style of, of YouTubing, which is, is a great thing. And uh, it's just good to be kind to one another and supportive because 
it really is such a great platform if you treat it well. And if you show up for your audience, they will show up for you. And YouTube audiences are fantastic. They are so loyal, so engaged, so lovely if you nurture them the right way. And by the right way, I mean treat them with kindness. Don't insult their intelligence and give them the content that that you want to create, but also what they're asking for, because the audience has a way of being able to pinpoint what your strengths are and what they want from you. So ask your audience, if you're ever stuck, what would you like to see from me? What, what can I, how can I serve you through my content? They will tell you, just ask and they'll let you know. That's so cool. And, and your following is really strong. You call them the creature crew. If I'm I'm, right. Look at your reaction. That's so beautiful. Um, and I was I follow you on social media. I saw recently that someone did fan art of you, yeah. like, like a, a painting of you. That like I like to think that people appreciate what we do, and we've been doing this podcast for eight years. Nobody's ever done an oil painting of me yet. I feel oh. like that's when you really know. Yeah, so if there's anyone out there who's interested, I would love – Oh. To have an, an oil painting of me done, that would be terrific. Oh, I'll Thank do so an much. oil painting of you. That's so good. I'll, I'll do an oil yeah. painting of you. Yeah, Thank you. Pretty big poster board. We can get somebody. Uh, we can get something commissioned. Yeah, why not? Let's do that. Um, but uh, yeah, no, you're right. Um, the creature crew are fantastic, and uh, I think the reason why, um, even though I'm not as big as other YouTubers, my audience is so engaged because I've been very genuine with them and open with them with my ups and my downs and they know I'm not perfect I'm a professional but I get things wrong and I'm not going to try and say hey I'm an expert so there's a trust there um and whenever they do anything to show their appreciation whether it is creating creature art or fan art um I try and, and show my gratitude by creating a gallery of the artwork so like on my Instagram I feature every single a piece of artwork um, on my Instagram that's ever you know tagged me, um, and uh, it's just nice to sort of give back. And that's something I think that a lot of YouTubers lose after a while is the appreciation for their audience. Um, and you can never forget that your audience is what puts you there. They put food on the table for you and treats in the dog treat bowl, and you know, great Missouri turtle food for your turtles on the table. So mm -hmm. you have to be able to treat them right and not forget that the audience is so important, so vital. And it's not even just about collecting fans. It's about creating community. And that is what makes a strong YouTube following. And if I can just give an example um, to back up what you just said, Chris, you have a, a large following on social media, but it pales in comparison to to M's, but how good do you think you are with responding to people's comments on your, on your turtle content, whether it be YouTube videos or social media stuff? Not good. I, I um, it, it, it kind of depends on, I mean, let me, let me phrase this as if, if social media was my sole job, you know, if, if that's what I had to spend most of my time focusing on it would be a little bit of a different story but i've got so many different things that i have to run here that what'll happen I'm, is they'll what i'm not looking for excuses okay uh, here we go with this guy i'm not so <laughs> i'll get i'll get a comment that will you know just come through you know you'll happen to see it or whatever you know and you'll go back at that person and i agree with you like you you know 
you you don't insult their intelligence even and sometimes that can be extremely difficult when they're blatantly doing it to you maybe you know and mm -hmm. and Anthony and I have had conversations with that and because in the past I've had a hard time with that because you know you always it doesn't matter what you do you could save a baby from a burning building somebody's going to have something bad to say about it you know and so but as far as like responding to everybody I find that to be nearly impossible so what I've been doing on my YouTube channel I, I've only done it once so far was I'm compiling common questions and then doing a video to answer those questions and then just kind of go kind of going down the line you know hey how can I get animals from you hey where do all your animals go uh, whatever whatever question it is I try to compile the most common questions and then go down the line to answer them but yeah I find it to be extremely difficult to just you know you've got 150 emails 2,000 comments on this platform and that platform you know and it's you know, my, my YouTube channel is peanuts com, com, compared to yours, but my Instagram and my, my Facebook are very big and, and it's, it's just nearly impossible. So I try to divert everybody to one Avenue, try to get them to all email me. Cause that's what I can be quick, quickest on. But I, I feel like, you know, trying to respond to as many comments as you can is probably very important. No. Yeah, I, I would say so. Um, and so every single, well, uh, I don't sleep. <laughs> yeah, <there you> <laughs> I don't sleep. Um, it's something I share with my um, audience via my Instagram uh, stories as they know that I have a, an issue with not really sleeping that much. So that's not sustainable. Sleep is important, everybody. Yeah. It doesn't, doesn't mean you're a great YouTuber if you're not sleeping. It's quite the reverse, really. Um, but I think every YouTuber has to find or every social media influencer has to find what is authentic to them, what works for them. Emails do not work for me. Uh, for me, emails, I associate with work so i don't want mm. to have a ton oh a ton of um emails where people are asking me questions for me emails are work emails sponsorships collaborations and things like that opportunities whereas um i like to dedicate as much time as i can normally in a designated time to answering comments so everybody who watches me regularly knows that whenever a video on youtube goes up for the first hour or so, I am answering every single comment that comes up. It doesn't matter how long um, it, it takes me to type each question. For the first hour, I am there. Um, and normally I can make that extend over to the first 24 hours because I want to um, get as much, uh, answer as many questions. But not only that, what a lot of people don't understand about YouTube is that as whether you are commenting replying to a comment or it is an organic comment it still counts as engagement right so right. if someone leaves 20 comments or 20 people leave you each a comment and you reply to each of those youtube doesn't see 20 comments it sees 40 so right. it pays really to answer your community and to engage with them and it also just means that they realize that they're appreciated so if somebody is struggling with being able to manage expectations of where you're going to be able to respond to these comments i'd say designate a time and let it be known you know share it with with your audience say hey guys you know i'm putting up a, a youtube video tomorrow for the first hour or first two hours or 20 minutes whatever you can swing i will be live answering your questions so make sure you're right there to ask right. the question if you really want it answered um and, and i find that that's a very good way to deal with comments that's great. That's something that's I would really have never cool. thought of. Yeah. You know? That's really uh, so. I, I thank Anthony for embarrassing me because something good actually came out of it. <laughs> anytime, anytime. Just let me know. But I actually asked that on purpose because I do follow M on on social media and I see 
the amount of feedback that she gives people and how quickly she responds to them, which I think is really admirable. Excuse Thank me, you. No, oh, sure thing. She's gorgeous, by the way. Um, but Thanks. something that takes um, after her mom. There's <laughs> <laughs> um, something that I think is important to remember is that I am a full-time YouTuber. So whereas a lot of people might um, think uh, that it might be one of my team, like my managers or somebody replying to comments, it's never that. It's always me. Mm -hmm. um, whenever anyone gets a comment, it is always me. I've been very strict about that. Um, and also, uh, it, it's literally what I do full time. This is my job. It's not like I go and do something else and then come back and do this in the evening. So I do have time dedicated to answering to my followers. It's very important to me. Mm -hmm. That's really That's cool. smart. Great. Thank you. Can we can we touch on something else that Chris alluded to uh, briefly, which is the negative comments? He had somebody comment. I'll share it just because I saw it the other day. But uh, on on nine eleven, somebody um, oh, yeah, qu yeah, questioned yeah. him making a turtle post, and that really struck home with me because for me, they basically questioned him. Why would you do that on such an important American day? And for me, if if all turtle related or animal related content stopped on a, on a really difficult day like that, it would be that much more difficult for me personally. And I'm, I assume there are, you know, droves of people like me who would, who would have difficulty getting through that. So to me, that, that comment really struck home with me in a negative way, just from observing that. And, um, you know, you, you find yourself wanting, wanting to write a message back. Like it was, it was on his, um, on his page, his uh, yeah, I'm feed. looking at it. I'm but, looking at it right now. But I, I, I didn't say anything, and I don't. But I think, um, I just wonder how someone who's doing this to the level that you are feels about that, and how you can try to keep yourself positive. And that wasn't even a super negative one. We know about how absolutely ridiculous some, some of the comments today. are, and I can't ima imagine for a. Um, for a young woman as well. Sorry to share that as a all man pod podcast. It's it's weird, oh, good. But, um, but you know the, the the difficulty with the type of comments that you get. I think what's difficult about that one to just to share real quick is that you know and and you know correct me if I'm wrong, Em, but if it you know when you get like just a blatantly like outrageous like maybe they're using foul language or whatever like sometimes it's easier to skirt around that one because not only are they already making themselves look like a fool. But, you know, you could, you know, either delete it or, or handle it however way, way you want. But the one that Anthony's talking about, the 9-11 thing, is that's kind of a difficult one to handle because they, you know, they, they said, uh, um, fantastic, but it's 9-11. Hmm. So it, it's kind of like, uh, so are you mad at me or, you, or are you not? You know, like, like how, how would you, you know, handle something like that? Because I think so a lot of people handle it. Um, if I personally received a comment um, about uh, me posting an animal-related piece of content on a day of significance like 9-11, which was an awful thing and something that we shouldn't forget um, at all, um, I would remind them that uh, for if all of the bad in the world, we should also celebrate the good. And just because one platform or one creator is not sharing, it doesn't mean that they don't care. It means that they might be trying to go in another direction where they're instead of um, joining in with the hundreds and hundreds of people um, on one account who might be grieving, also doing a very important job of inspiring others to remember that there is positivity in the world. And not mm. everyone can handle scrolling through social media and seeing negative or 
um, not not so much negative, but upsetting images um, right. and imagery that it is meant to make us remember, um, but it can also be very, very depressing if you keep on seeing it. So um, it's important to have a balance. And for as many remembrance posts as there might be, um, calling people to remember 9-11 is also very important to have other people there inspiring, giving people a break in between these posts. So just because someone's not posting about something on a day of significance, it doesn't mean that they don't care. They could be grieving in their own way or maybe feel incapable because they have a personal um, story behind, you know, such a, a, an event or days 9-11 that they just don't wish to share or participate. You know, they want to grieve silently or they want to um, remember in their own way that's authentic to them. Um, there's certainly a bit of a trend right now where it seems like everybody has to jump on trendy um, sort of uh, days where everybody uh, doesn't post or everybody right. does something. And if you don't do it, then you're a terrible creator. And I think that it's very important for all creators to be authentic. So if you want to participate, great. But if you don't yeah. want to participate and you want to continue inspiring people in your own way, that's okay too. Um, and when it comes to negative comments, they, they do exist. They can be very difficult to deal with. I struggled so hard with negative comments in my first year or so of YouTube. Um, I realized there were whole like gossip forums dedicated to just slating um, people and tearing you down for the smallest things, literally going through your videos and picking apart minute by minute, second by second, what could be wrong with your setups. And it's very difficult to um, get away from that. And I got completely sucked into it where I became one of those people and just started, you know, ripping at myself and everybody else. And it was so unhealthy. I had to put like an absolute stop to it and prioritize my own mental health. And nowadays, I don't register the negative comments. I can register a critique. I can register um, a uh, constructive criticism. That's great. I want people to use their minds and know that I'm approachable enough that they can say, hey, Emma, are you sure you want to use these lights with this enclosure? Or I do it this way. This might be a better way. I want people to share that information. That's, that's right, a wonderful right. thing. Yeah. Um, but when people are outright rude, it really has, YouTube's given me such a tough skin that I don't, it doesn't penetrate it doesn't resonate in any way shape or form because i can see that my channel is being used as a vessel for their inability to handle an emotion that they're going through in their life um and the thing is when you become a creator you make yourself a target and if your comment section is open people have a right to an opinion and it might not always be an opinion that you want to hear now it doesn't give people license and leeway to be rude or really mean um, but I think it's important just to remember that you also have a choice to step away from those comments and you don't have to justify yourself to anyone. Um, cause at the end of the day, no matter what people think, they think that they know you, but they actually don't. They see a mm -hmm. small fraction of what you put together. So if anybody does struggle with negative comments, step away from them. That's what I did, uh, on my YouTube channel. I have a huge, um, catchment of words that are not allowed to be used on my channel because YouTube will not only demonetize you and penalize your channel if you use foul language, but if people in your comment section are using foul language, it's also detrimental to your channel. So I've got like a capture with a whole bunch of words. Yes, many of them are to do with me being a woman, things that people say, and those go straight to um, a box which I don't even handle. It's somebody who is my moderator who goes in and deletes all of the really nasty stuff. And then anything that is an opinion, can be uh, submitted. That's fine. I like healthy debate on my channel. Um, but uh, anything that is rude or derogatory, 
that's got to go because I'm not here for that. I'm just here to share cute animals. I'm happy to That's time. great. That's great. And that's great that you're able to filter it out like that because that it just saves you unnecessary stress right off the bat, you know? Where, yeah. Why didn't I know about that? That's I don't, I didn't know about it either. That would have helped me out a couple of years ago, right? When I was calling you being like, dude, get what somebody said. <laughs> you know? That thick skin you were talking about? Yeah. This, yeah. this guy does not have lot. it. Yeah. Well, no, no. I don't have it either. No. I don't have it. You're worse than I am, but we're both bad. But uh, he wants to give himself credit for being good now. He's not. Compared to the normal human, you're still worse than normal. You are. You care. I'm, it's, it's a compliment, really. You care about what people yeah, say. A little pat on the back for how much better I've gotten at it would have been nice. Well, <laughs> off, off screen, after, we, after we're not live anymore, I'll give you congratulations. I'm just saying. That, there are so I have so many follow-up questions. It's ridiculous. But before we keep going, we should get to questions from our viewers. So it's time for our feature. Stephen. Minto's mailbag. The audience could hear that. Uh, Kevin, oh, your mic. Kevin, you're muted. You are a professional. I messed that up. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> nothing is, better than seeing your mailbag. <laughs> nothing better than your bearded face talking and no sound. Oh man, it's getting ripped on the beard. It's fine. All right. So, biggest question tonight is. It looks uh, unhealthy. It looks unhealthy. Does it? Yeah. I like. You know, it's, it's a long day. You know, it's a long day. It, it's, it, it looks like it. Oh man. All right. Anyway. Okay. Anyway, uh, what what are the animals that you work with at home? And uh, I'm going to add to that. Do you have a preference over one type or the other? Oh, uh, and this is for me, I see. Mm-hmm. All yes, right. So, yeah. so, so I have a, a couple of animals here, not as many as most people would imagine. I'm I'm trying to focus on keeping little and very well. I think it's a bit more relatable for people. So I have uh, two snakes over to my uh, left over here. I have a ball python, which I brought with me from England, as well as a gray banded king snake who's a rescue. I have two really annoying but adorable ferrets uh, to my right in an enclosure. They're great. And then I also have toke geckos behind me, as well as a bunch of chickens upstairs. And when I say upstairs, I mean outside upstairs. I'm actually beneath the ground as I speak to you. Um, and then over here, I have a dog who's acting as a draft stopper by my door. Um, they're all very fun in their own ways. I, I have to say I'm very fond of my ferrets because they just are hilarious. Ferrets are just, they're, they're basically just rockets in in a fursuit and they're great and they're a lot of fun. Um, and uh, they really keep you on your toes, that is when they're not biting them. Uh, so ferrets are, and mustelids in general are one of my favorite um, taxa to work with. Do you, um, so I, I work at an animal hospital, so I see day in, day out, all day long, the amount, the huge amount of people who are just in love with their dogs and cats. Um, you obviously, Emzotic, are interested in exotics as well. What are you, what are your thoughts about the difference between the love from like a dog? I know how much your dog means to you. I see all the posts and then the relationship with like, a toke gecko who wants to kill you all the time. Like uh-huh. how are those both rewarding? Um, but when they can be, when they're so different. 
I think the reward comes from understanding what each of those animals' purpose is. So my dog is a domesticated animal and he's bred as a companion, not only as a dog, but also in his breed, he's a Eurasia. The Eurasia was bred specifically to look fabulous and to be a great companion. That's it. So I know my job is to give him a lot of companionship, a lot of love. And in return, I'm going to receive that because it's, it's what he wants to do. It's what he's been bred to do. And it's what dogs want. They need that companionship. So I'm prepared to give him that. That's a commitment I've made. My Tokyo geckos hate me. And I'm mm-hmm. fine with that because I've given them what they need. And it's the understanding the expectation of what the animal is prepared to give you. So with these tokes behind me, they both absolutely hate my guts. I can't go anywhere near them, but I get a lot of enjoyment because I knew that going into this relationship, bringing them home, that it was going to be completely one-sided from the affection point of view. I might want to cuddle them, whereas they just want to, you know, uh, cut my fingers off and eat them. <laughs> but uh, the enjoyment comes from giving them a great setup, which is what I've got behind me and seeing them exhibit their natural behaviors. So I don't necessarily feel like I have to get any kind of interaction from my animals to enjoy them if they want to interact with me that's fine if they don't i'm totally on board with that that's wonderful that's great yeah you don't hear many people people talk about it that way you know that's Mm -hmm. that's great to hear well i think we talk about it with turtles all the time and, and chris you specialize in in keeping animals naturalistically and I tell people all the time, I like when animals want to kill me. I like when they yeah. pee on themselves when I pick them up or run away or what have you. Yeah, to I me, like that to means they're, you know. Behave naturally. And, and um, you'll hear a lot of people say like, oh, I want, I want a turtle or a tortoise or a reptile that, you know, is affectionate, you know. And, and I explain to people like the most you're really going to get out of them is you're going to get a feeding response. They're going to associate you with food. You know, there are some exceptions. You know, Aldabra tortoises are known to show some degree of affection, however you want to, you know, tag that line. But, um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm with Anthony on that. I like to see them behave naturally. I'd actually rather see my turtles head the other way when I'm coming, but without a doubt, some of them are going to come to you, you know? Oh yeah. And, and actually on that note, one of the animals I've worked with the most personality, uh, was an African spur thigh who hated <laughs> me and he didn't hate anyone. He was so <clears throat> sweet with everyone. Wanted like little butt scratches from everyone. When it came to me, whenever I was working with him, he would make a beeline for my ankles. Like he would come just oh, yeah. plodding around the corner and just barge me behind the ankles. I respected him. I loved him. He's great. Whoever says <laughs> turtles and tortoises don't have personality has no idea what they're talking about. They have bundles mm-hmm. of personality. You just have mm-hmm. to speak their language. And you can have an animal out of an entire colony that, never grows accustomed to you, you know, and Mm -hmm. I can walk into certain enclosures of mine and say, she's not going to come anywhere near us, you know, but the Mm -hmm. other four or whatever will, will, and and, and you're right. You know, there is a degree of, there's definitely a vast degree of intelligence that people don't uh, associate them with. Absolutely. I completely agree with you there. Uh, So Emma, I have another question for, yeah, I have a great question. What has been the single most rewarding experience you've made since creating your channel? Oh, that was a great question. Whoever Very good came question. That question. Um, I think the single most, I mean, this has all been fantastic. And I have to say, creating this real bond with my creature crew has been life-changing, truly life-changing. They've made me a better person, truly. Um, but if I had to choose an event or something that has happened or that I've done, 
Um, I think it would be creating my bead necklace that I made uh, last year. I collaborated with a jeweler in New York. Um, they were based out of Brooklyn who make ethical jewelry. Um, and they, they source their materials from the same factories as like Tiffany and Co and Calvin Klein, so the premium materials, but they would charge a fee for their designs that is not uh, necessarily as high as these huge uh, sort of um, luxury brands. And we created a design, which was a honeycomb design, and 10% of each sale went towards saving um, honeybees here in the United States. So that was really, really rewarding. I'm, I'm not going to get into the whole debate of whether the honeybee should be here or not. It's a whole different debate, but it went to saving the honeybees and to, um, in particular, stopping the use of really detrimental pesticides, which is um, it impacts more than just bees. So that was very, very, um, very rewarding for sure. Wow. Awesome. That's cool. That's really Thank cool. You. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Definitely. I'm telling you. Um, <clears throat> I, we are almost an hour into the show. So I, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about your projects that you're excited about and, and things you have coming up. Also recent projects. I also wanted to bring up your book before we get into upcoming projects. Um, you. your, your book animal kind, um, is a really nice book I have here. Twinning. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, a really nice book, really nice, really, um, nicely written and some really cool stories in there. You have a turtle story in there. Thank it's a tortoise. You. Yeah. Redfoot tortoise. Yes. Bubbles. Yeah. yeah. Which was, which, which was nice to see. I love the idea. I think it's terrific. Can you talk about that experience of, of writing the book and, and how that works? Absolutely. Uh, so that's one of the great things about YouTube is it opens up a lot of doors and people can find you and offer you opportunities. And one of the opportunities I was given was the opportunity to write a book um, with Mango Publishing, which they've just been phenomenal uh, with coaching me through how to write a book. Um, naturally, you have to have some kind of ability to write because I was very strict. I did not want to write uh, with a ghostwriter. Everything you read in that book is from my own head. It's with anybody else it's just my own experiences and the the reason why this book to me is so special um is because i believe that animals have a direct a directly positive impact on our mental health um and i wanted to reflect in this book uh which is a collection of short uh stories which are based on real life and real people who i know the positive interactions and ways in which animals have influenced people's lives so they're all based on real people's stories we've got a whole bunch of different animals in here we've got um, dogs got tortoises horses um, all different kinds and then i've got my own personal story in here which is the chapter bear uh, which is actually scene for scene a true account of my own life it's not based on a true story it is a true story and it's heavy at points um, but it was actually very cathartic to write because I was able to come out to my audience about being bipolar, which is what a lot of people do struggle with. Um, and I think it made people realize that YouTubers are just people and it doesn't matter if you struggle with something in your life, you can still do something with it. And I turned my pain into art. Um, and that is reflected in this book right here. So I was, I was very proud of that. And um, it's been certainly a learning curve. It's I cut my teeth on how to write books with this book. I'm hoping to write more in the future. Awesome. Thank you. Excellent. Bringing up mental health. Um, I think it's incredible when, when people who are in the 
in the spotlight, so to speak, as you are. And I think of like a professional athlete who's willing to talk about mental health, um, things like that. I, I just find it so refreshing and it's not necessarily a question, but more just a statement to you, um, as a thank you to you. Uh, because I, I used to be a social worker in, in my former life. Um, and I, I know how difficult and lonely it can be sometimes, especially like for young adults and things like that. People who are more into the video scene and the YouTube scene and things like that, who are coming up and feeling like, you know, there's no one in their life that they can relate to and things like that, to have someone like you to be honest about, um, what they're going through is, is incredible. And thank you for that. No, oh, thank you. And uh, I have to thank my audience as well for being so wonderful. Cause if they weren't, I wouldn't feel able to be as open about right. my own mental health struggles as I am. And it's so liberating. Like I said, they've made me a better person. Right. Right. And that's kind of too, one of the things I, I wanted to ask too, with, um, with social media, just the importance of of really being true to yourself, being honest and not just acting like, you know, everything is all cool animals and rainbows and happy days, you know, because that's Absolutely. obviously not the truth for any of us. No, um, people forget that when you go onto a platform like Instagram, for example, is, is a prime example of this. You're seeing a very carefully curated and very polished great moment in someone's life that might not necessarily be genuine it's, it's important to remember that just because you see that every day it doesn't mean everybody else is living a great life and, and you're left out you don't have to feel like FOMO like fear of missing out um because everybody else is living a great life that's that's Instagram it's it's theater it's it's circus it's art um and it's subjective and it's not always truthful um so it's important to remember that Every single person who you might idolize or think has it way better than you, they've all got their struggles. Every single person, whether they are the richest person in the world or, you know, like the Kylie Jenners of the platform, um, all the way to someone who's just made an account. You know, you never know what's really going on in someone's life. The best you can do is make your own mark in a way that's authentic to you and what makes you happy and what serves you. And if you can create a community around that and spread some joy and gain something from it for yourself, that's a great thing to do. Social media is not your enemy if you use it the right way. That's wonderful. Thank you. And and talking about um, well, where can people where can people find the book? Um, so my book is available on Amazon. You can uh, find it by checking out uh, just Animal Kind. My actual name is Emma Locke, just like a door lock. <laughs> Thank you very very much. Um, and. Uh, you can also find it in places like Barnes and Noble, um, just a whole bunch of different places. Just Google "Animal Kind" Emma Locke book. You'll be you'll be sure to find it. Thank you. That's next level. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's kind of awesome. So Chris and I <laughs> have written a lot for Reptiles Magazine, and that was always cool to like go into PetSmart or or Petco and see your article or if you got like the cover story and it was like yeah, your picture yeah. on the cover. That was always really cool. Can you imagine being in Barnes and Noble though? Aren't, aren't you? Where's your book? You have a book out. It's not in Barnes and Noble. They didn't like it. <laughs> no, they didn't like it. <laughs> what the hell is Spangler? <laughs> yeah. It's sold. It's yeah. it's it's sold like several hundred copies. It's a big deal. My daughter carries it around the yard sometimes. So there you that's, go. That's that's what really matters. You don't need Barnes and Noble. You've got that's Cecilia. what really matters. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's terrific. So let's talk about some of the upcoming projects. What What are you working on that you're excited about right now that you want people to know about? Well, I'm working on something very exciting, which is a self-funded um, project for YouTube. And it's called Work on the Wild Side. And what I'm doing is I'm interviewing a whole bunch of different animal professionals because growing up, I didn't feel like I had enough of um, guidance into which animal careers I'd be suitable for. Um, people told me, if you want to make money, be a veterinarian, which by the way is not really the case. <laughs> Talk about coming out with educational debt. Um, but uh, everyone said, you know, you make a great veterinarian or a zookeeper. Um, so what I figured is I would like to talk to different people who have great jobs, jobs with animals that you might not necessarily hear about that often, you know, farriers, canine officers, people who train Gambian pouched rats to sniff out explosives uh, in Africa, for example, and ask them about the specifics of their jobs, the, the trials, the great things about their jobs, salaries, and that way I can help other people prepare for a job that they might not act have any access to or know about before they start taking exams and going up to university. Um, so work on the wild side, I'm very passionate about. Right? That's awesome because you know what? There are so many things that people don't know exist, you know, in the animal field. And I think everybody, probably every single one of us here, our parents told us to go to vet school. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? You know, because that was the only way to really be involved with animals. But that, that's, that's pretty cool that, you know, to know that, uh, that that's a great idea. That's awesome. Thank you very much. It's extremely cool. But I mean, if you look at, at us, right? So I'm not going to use Kevin in this. Sorry, Kev. It's okay. But if we all have positions, jobs, livelihoods that didn't exist 30 years ago mm -hmm. for the most part, yeah. right? Nice. So Chris, you have a, a social, media, social media following and animal propagation business which maybe existed on some level, but it's changed a ton. And yeah, it's never like, something that you would have said, oh, you know, you're going to be a turtle farmer one day. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm a hospital manager of, a, of an animal hospital. That's not something that really existed much 30 mm -hmm. years ago in the veterinary field. It was all doctors who own their own practice. Now those doctors have retired and you can't give that to your son or daughter, unless they're a veterinarian. So you, your retirement plan is to sell it to a corporation. Now they're corporate owned. So now those corporations bring in people to run the hospital. That's my job. And then obviously M as a, you know, personality, um, pet tube personality that obviously is, is something brand new. So the world is constantly changing and there's opportunities out there that people don't even know about. And I talk all the time about when Steve and I, we're, we're having conversations years ago and both feeling like, hey, we're smart people who have a lot to offer, who are college educated, and we didn't go to school for biology, so now we feel left out. Like we can't, you know, where's where's our spot in the world where we can mm -hmm. make a difference, mm -hmm. you know? So um, that's really cool. Yeah, um, I agree with you. And uh, the whole uh, point that you just made about wanting to find a place where you could utilize your own skills, uh, where you weren't necessarily feeling already welcome because you didn't have experience in certain places. That's something that's really driven me because uh, I'm an artist at heart, but I'm also a bit of a scientist and I was an actress for a long time as well in horror movies. And none of that served me 
as much joy individually as I, it does now combining all of those skills. I can combine my skills as a performer. I can combine my skills as an artist, as a writer to create my YouTube content. So I want to help other people combine their skills, whether it's photography um, or videography or um, whatever it is that they have that is really special, unique to them and help them to find a great animal career that they might not necessarily feel was already available to them or that they would know about. That's excellent. I had such a fun time looking at your IMDb page and I would like to ask you of the movies that you've been in, which, which one should I check out first? Which one can I see the performance that you're most proud of? If you would like to watch a really great movie, which has a really heartwarming performance, you should check out The Human Centipede 2, where I play Kim, who is the very back end of The Human Centipede. (laughs) And if anyone is not familiar with The Human Centipede, it is a very heartwarming story about teamwork. (laughs) Teamwork. (laughs) Awesome family. Oh, man. Oh my gosh, that is so good. That, oh, I didn't. Oh, fun. see, now I tried to get Human Centipede two in preparation for this. Part of me is happy that I didn't because I'm not squeamish, but like that that would have that would have stuck with me. So I've I've always loved horror movies, but with two daughters and um, my wife doesn't necessarily appreciate them. So my horror movie watching days are kind of on hold for. Same here. Maybe yeah, a decade exactly. and a half. Yeah, right. You guys understand. So oh, yeah. like sometimes I'll try to sneak something in here or there, but it's really, really difficult. So I was going to, I wanted to be able to speak to that specifically for this. And I was going to go with Human Centipede 2, even though there's a long list of others. That's incredible. That's incredible. That is incredible. Thank and I, I would love to watch some more horror flicks, whether you're in them or not. And, you know, but you can't, right? And, and I don't know about you. I'm a big baby with it too, because as much as I want to watch these horror flicks, the chance to watch them is when they all go to sleep. And yeah. then I'm like, I'm like, wait, I don't know if I really want to watch this alone. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm like, like, damn it. You know, so that's it. You there goes that chance. <laughs> you don't want to watch Human Centipede 2 alone. That's, that's uh, not worse. Like, can you even get here in like three and a half hours instead of four and a half? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yep. The Human Centipede 2. While we watch this. It's the kind of movie you have to watch when you have like, you know, a first date and you're watching a romantic movie together and you're eating like a romantic meal. That's, that's a great time to watch the human centipede too. Yeah. I don't believe you. I don't believe you. Should, would this face lie? No. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I read that it was like banned because it was like gross and grotesque for no reason, which then really made me want to watch it even more. There you go, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, the first see, one has its place. The second one, no. The second, you got, one, the second one tries to top the first one, right? Uh, well, the first one was created as a bit of an experiment. Uh, the second one was made purely to shock, which was for me the selling point when the director approached me with this movie role. Um, and like for me, I, when I was an actress, I uh, was never the kind of actress who wanted to be the, the love interest or um, somebody who was going to win an Oscar one day. I like projects because they make me laugh or they bring me joy. And I just thought there's no way I can pass this up to be the very back end of the human centipede and get to play with prosthetics and like fake poop and stuff. That's awesome. That's a tale for my great grandkids one day. 
That's it a sure is. It sure is. Totally. <laughs> totally. Good movie. Uh, this is, but people who don't love horror movies, this is what they don't mm-hmm. understand. Good yeah. movies evoke emotion. That's it. And it, whether that emotion is the butterflies in your stomach during a romantic comedy or laughing at a great comedy or that's squirming. Yeah, right. Absolutely. That's that's what it's meant to do. So if you feel that, then the movie did something right. We got people talking and we got countries angry. So we we <laughs> achieved what we wanted to. Absolutely. <laughs> that is so cool. Any more acting in the future or are you just, how does that work? Um, so I receive scripts very often, um, especially being so close to L.A., um, but uh, there's nothing really that has interested me. So if I find a project that really interests me, then I'd be all over it. Um, right now, if there are any casting directors watching, I really want to be in like a really bad animal horror movie. I mean, we're talking Lake Placid, Piranha 3D, um, Anaconda. I just want an animal to rip me apart on the screen and give me a horrific death. And I'd be very happy with that. I have a new goal in life. There you go. I want that oh, to happen right. to me too. Hey, you know, they, they were hiring for Jurassic World Dominion. They were looking for, like, you could win a contest to be eaten by mm-hmm. a dinosaur in the movie, you know? That's that's being done too many times. I mean, give me, like, a giant ferret. Like, a giant radioactive yeah. ferret. That would be... Like, some of those, like, crazy old, uh, like, what was it, like, Mega Shark versus Mega Python? Yeah. Things. Yeah. yeah. Or, like, or, like, Piranha 46. I don't know how many of those they've made, but, you know. Like, right. so, something totally... Off the off the charts. <laughs> yeah, I think that'd be great. I think uh, a movie starring a bunch of different pet YouTubers getting pulled apart by different animals that they regularly are filmed with that would be hilarious. <laughs> yeah. I'm so excited right now. That's it. We're making a GoFundMe, and and we're gonna make money to make this movie, and you guys are all gonna be in it. And yeah, an yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I was in the worst movie in the world, but we're gonna have to save that for another show. You were in the worst movie in the world? Yes, I was. You can't leave us there. I know. I what are you talking about? That's, <laughs> All we'll I got to say is go, go, to, go to Netflix and, and get the movie Bad Girl Island. I'm not kidding. Why are, are you, you on that? Netflix right now? <laughs> I, I must have had too much wine. I can't believe I just told everybody that. <laughs> why, why are you in that? What, is, uh, the, what are you the in band, the background? No, the band... the the. <laughs> is it with James you, Brolin? James Brolin, Annalyn McCord, Antonio Sabato Jr. Yeah. yeah. Well, I know They're what I'm watching. Mysterious. There you I go. I've never yeah. been so upset in my life that I've known you as well as I do. I consider you one of my best friends in the world. Oh, man. Uh, never told yeah. me. This. Yeah. The amount of times we've just driven aimlessly in your truck. That's it. <laughs> I changed the name again. Mysterious. Wow, it came out as Bad Girl Island. Now it's called Mysterious. I'm not sure which is worse. <laughs> they should have just called mysterious. it Leone's in this. <laughs> the Mysterious Bad Girl Island. This, yeah, wow. Like okay, it. well, yeah. What? Yeah, the, it, was, I, it was the band. The, the, the directors were looking for a good rock and roll band, and they got like 450 submissions. And somehow a friend of ours, an old old high school friend, gave the – gave our record to his mother and his mother somehow knew 
where they were doing auditions for this and just like dropped it on, on somebody's desk. Somehow it got heard. And the next minute, like I hung up four times on these people when they were calling to ask us to, to, to come down because they were at, they wanted us to be in this movie. And I was like, this has got to be a joke, you know? And it turned out to be a, <laughs> an actual movie where the whole band got flown down to the Bahamas and we performed in the movie and we actually had a couple acting parts. There's like a, a party scene where, you know, I don't, I don't want to tell you guys the suspense of this incredible, you know, a movie, but, uh, yeah, there's, there's some good old acting in there and, uh, but it's, it's little, you know, and it's, and there's a little bit of horror in it. There's a little bit of horror in it. So there you go. High five. All right, high five. Yeah, that's Mysterious. It's no back end of a centipede. I'll tell you that. But, no, yeah. you got the Bahamas. I got a leaky warehouse in the middle of central London. That's, <laughs> I'm, I'm not salty. I'm not yeah. salty. Of that. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's why, that's why you wore the cutoff shirt. This was your big unveiling. Oh, there it is. <laughs> you brought it up. I was wondering. I was yeah. wondering. <laughs> you thought you were going to get away without being made fun of for your cutoff oh, shirt? Yeah. Nice. No, that's good. We were enjoying the gun show. Very yeah, impressive. They're not, really, they're not really guns. They're, it's just hot in here. <laughs> he even shaved his armpits for this episode, too. No, I'm just not hairy at all. I'm, pr- I'm very happy about that. <laughs> very impressive. I've been very impressed by that. Congratulations. We're sharing a lot tonight. We the are. Show. This is a big deal. Sharing. sharing is caring. Yeah. And, and we're obviously all leaving this show uh, with our tails between our legs because we did not get $75 to wear a mustache, oh, but yeah, oh, this is everybody's that, last chance. No, but here's the thing that people have to understand. We get way more viewership. Uh, we're really listenership afterwards on the, on the, um, via downloads on like iTunes and things like that. than we do with the live broadcast that you can see yeah. over video platform. Yeah. So, so if you want to, um, donate, $75 to the turtle room. That was M's suggestion. Then you can leave a message with that. Um, giving us a, um, an idea of who you want to have just wear the mustache. And then on <laughs> everyone's social media here, we'll, we'll share a picture of the mustache M, you don't have to, but everyone else has to. Okay. Like there's, a, there's a glimpse of what Kevin would look like. I'll, I'll make a whole glitter beard for a whole day and and uh, share that as well. I'll do a glitter beard. That's like worth that. more like than seventy five, though. So that if you want, is. if you want to see that, that's worth more than seventy five. I'll let whoever pledges at seventy five dollars pick the color. <laughs> <laughs> that's so All terrific. Right. All right. Well, now I'm not going to have to shave a mustache, so forget it. <laughs> Everyone's going to pick M. Whatever. Yeah. No big deal. Um, thank you so much for joining us. This has been a really, yeah. really fun episode and it's been fun to, to connect with you after seeing, um, your content for so long and, uh, yeah, just can't thank you enough for everything you're doing and, mm-hmm. and for being here with us. Thank you. And really, I do appreciate, uh, you inviting me on the podcast. I mean, I don't take it for granted that you could have any number of different YouTubers or social media influencers. And I'm really grateful to be here. It's been a lot of fun. Um, and, and I can't wait to watch this back. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> All right. Uh, Emma, it was very nice meeting you. Come on, Kev. <laughs> I had to say Kev. bye too, you know? Well, you didn't have to wait three seconds after Chris was done to then say it. Come on, man. You're professional. At least you weren't muted. Okay. <laughs> Before we move on, one last reminder that uh, uh, T-shirts are available and hoodies 
with the Pennsylvania wood turtle, uh, wood turtle design that was created by our very own Miranda. All proceeds go to in situ work, um, work that's actually being done on the ground to, to save turtles and tortoises from uh, extinction. So be sure to head over to Bonfire. Thank you so much, guys. Appreciate it. Till next time. Thank Take care you. of yourself. Thank you, everybody. Bye. Bye.